Shut up and sit down. There it is. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Episode 84 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. How you guys doing? Hope everybody is well. Uh, we are at the tail end now. Well, not the tail end. Actually, we're right in the fucking middle of it. Um, right in the middle of the short week back from Easter break. I uh, hope you guys had a nice break or are continuing to have a nice break if you're still on it. Um, we went away this weekend for the long weekend. Uh, took a couple of trips out to the coast, down to Canterbury, which is just amazing. If you live in the UK and you've never been there, you should definitely... Uh, you know, make an afternoon of it, make a morning of it, whatever. Um, just it's a it's it's a postcard. Uh, it, it really is. It's a, it's a painting. You know, no matter where you turn your head, especially in the gardens. Uh, we took the dogs down there. It was it was great um, until one of my dogs stepped on a stinging nettle and then freaked out and pulled a fucking hole in his paw. Uh, luckily, it wasn't too bad. We're able to get down on the beach the next day, which was great. Um, but it was a nice Easter break. Uh, even a long weekend is too short these days. <laughs> uh, but always grateful for the time away with the family and the weather was just amazing. Um, so it was uh, it was good to do that. And then back to work. Uh, but last evening, I went and saw a friend uh, who's been getting into stand-up comedy perform and do a five-minute set. And it was, it was good. It was, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was good to see, you know, other comics who are trying to, you know, other people who are trying to become comics, you know, get up there and, and give it a go. And as we know, public speaking is in and of itself, you know, one of the most scary endeavors for people to, to undertake and let alone having to make that public speaking, uh, you know, cause laughter for the people hearing it. On a, on a consistent basis, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the toughest things I think, uh, that, that someone can do. And, uh, and the friend of mine who I work with, who, um, who did it last night, uh, was, was good. I, I thought it was really good and, and I laughed throughout. So, uh, shout out to him and, uh, continuing that journey, that, that passion journey, because, you know, when I see anybody following their passion, truly following their passion, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an inspiring thing to witness, right? Because it takes real determination to do that. It takes real focus to do that on a consistent basis, just like what we talk about, right? Sticking with a process, uh, sticking in a mindset that you are going to achieve something. And when I get to witness that, on exhibition in real life, you know, taking shape and taking form. It's a beautiful thing. It's a really beautiful thing. So, uh, for everybody out there that's following their passion and, you know, in a, in a way that's kind of what I'm doing now because I like to speak to people. I like to talk as, you know, as those that know me and interact with me on a regular basis. No, I can, I can, go on and on and on, <laughs> uh, which makes this a, a pretty appropriate medium, I think. But uh, it, it was just great to see. And, and I love stand-up comedy. And, and when I see somebody that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm close to, you know, 
definitely in a professional manner, but seeing them outside of that environment, doing something that really, really makes them happy. It, uh, it's, it's great. So I applaud him and I applaud anybody that's, that's trying to do that. Um, short week, as I said, but life doesn't take any breaks. The world just keeps on spinning and the chaos keeps on coming. And this week was no exception whatsoever to any of that. Um, from the horrendous shit that's happened in Sri Lanka to the, um, to the MP that was shot uh, by the new IRA, um, you know, it seems that religious war is ramping up and that this was a, you know, the Sri Lankan event was a retaliation uh, for what happened by the far right uh, terrorist, uh, white supremacist terrorist in New Zealand. And that this was claimed by IS to get back at that, right? Eye for an eye. That's what we're fucking dealing with here, you know? Um, and we've got all of this chaos happening. And then we have to deal with the Trumps of the world and the Charlize Theron's of the world who are, you know, deciding to, you know, just let their three-year-old decide that they're a girl when they're a boy and raising them as such. And now calling him she and just going with it, like completely unabashed, just going with it. And I'm just thinking of all the stuff we know about human brain development and maturity and indecision and doubt and confusion and hormones and, you know, chemical imbalances and drug abuse and everything that we know scientifically or learning more about day by day. We still, in a very, very small portion of the population, turn around against that scientific research and say, you know what? My three-year-old can make this decision for themselves. All good. Because this isn't about expressing oneself, right? This isn't a little boy just wearing a dress. This is a little boy that says, I'm a girl. What has led to that decision? Because I'm pretty sure that that three-year-old isn't going to have much of an input in terms of what they want to do for a career or, you know, what they think about climate change or, you know, any nuanced sort of kind of decision-making, which you would think the determination of one's gender being changed would be quite a nuanced thing that you'd want to examine and discuss is being left to the whims of a three-year-old who might just want to be playing dress-up. But what we're going to do now is we're going to fundamentally affect this kid's cognitive ability to recognize what is one and what is the other. We all change our minds. We all grow. For anybody that's sort of my age, you know, 35 plus, 
How were you when you were 25? Or for those of you that are a bit younger, how were you when you were 15? <coughs> like, are you the same person? I couldn't be trusted to make my own decisions when I was like barely a teenager. I wasn't a fully formed adult until about six months ago. <laughs> um, I just think it's absurd that we allow infants in some cases these days to make life-changing decisions before they can even, you know, do their multiplication tables. And we're like, yeah, no problem. He's a girl. He's a girl. We'll call her. She. We'll call him she from now on. Wear dresses to school every fucking day. Like, I don't know, man. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. What I will say is that this seems to be predominantly like a white person problem. Maybe I'm just out of touch with other communities in that respect, but it just seems that every case of this is some, some, some fucking privileged white person doesn't really have it too hard in life. And I know that's not the case with Charlize Theron's son, but she's the parent. You know, it's kind of a privileged problem, right? Are there a lot of people out there that are starving, that are worried about whether or not they're considered male or female? And then just add on to that, that they're three years old or four years old or five years old or six years old. Some of these parents out there got their kids on hormone replacement therapy. It's disgraceful in my opinion. If that kid wants to become a legal adult and make that decision, then fine. But I do not think parents should be complicit in the reassignment of their children's gender. That's basically my point on it. <laughs> right, so moving on. Um, in London, we have a delivery company that I'm sure anybody in London listening will have used. It's called Deliveroo. And I wanted to talk about this because... They've, they've launched a subscription service. Like they're not a net, you know, not fucking Netflix. Their subscription service is 12 quid a month. And what it does is make your delivery quote unquote free. Now the average delivery on Deliveroo is three pound 50. So if you order Deliveroo more than once a week, then that could provide value for you. If you order Deliveroo more than once a week, you need to change your lifestyle, in my opinion. Because let's be honest, the food on Deliveroo is not great. Unless you're ordering, you know, say sticks and sushi or something like that, you get Chinese noodles, curry, fish and chips, tacos, fajitas, burritos, whatever, Pizza, Papa John's, KFC, right? There's not a ton, let's be honest, healthy choices on Deliveroo. So again, if you're eating Deliveroo enough or ordering from Deliveroo enough to make their membership worthwhile to you, cost-effective for you, you have bigger issues than a Deliveroo membership. And I'm just like, 
I'm, I'm just like, who the fuck would sign up for that? Who are the people out there that are like, but then again, I go around the corner and my neighbor's garbage is overflowing with McDonald's. I saw them use Deliveroo for McDonald's breakfast last week. Some people, I guess, will, will see value in a Deliveroo membership service. But for me, it's just, it was just a bit absurd. I'm like, there's clearly a bigger issue here. That if someone is ordering takeaway more than once a week, they should probably have a little look at their lifestyle, their eating habits, and their nutritional choices in life. You know, and I don't want to be a, a monk about it. I order from Deliveroo probably two or three times a month. Three would be pushing it. And when I order from Deliveroo, it's not good food. The last time I ordered from Deliveroo, it was Five Guys. I will never be eating Five Guys again. I can say that without hesitation. Five Guys is fucking terrible. And I used to like it. I used to think, mmm, I'd love a little bacon cheeseburger. Get them jalapenos on there. Lovely, right? Let's get that hot sauce on there. No. It's a smush burger. It's just a fucking smush burger. And as terrible as it looks on the way in, I mean, the things it does to your insides, forget about it. I'm never eating it again. So my point is, bigger issues at stake here. Bigger things in play if you're considering getting getting a Deliveroo membership. I can tell you that you should definitely do yourself a favor and not get that membership and not order from them enough to make it cost-effective for you to consider getting a membership, but instead using that 12 pounds a month towards, say, a gym membership. Or something else. It's just horrible. It's horrible. But, to each their own, I just thought it was quite funny, because you gotta be, you gotta be a pretty fat motherfucker, and I mean that not Literally, I just mean that in terms of your consumption habits, which would probably translate into that meaning it literally. Um, yeah, just there's other shit to play play for if you're thinking about getting a delivery membership. Never mind. Anyways, moving on. What else have we got to talk about? Oh, yeah. Where the fuck is Julian Assange? So for the last two shows, I've mentioned various aspects of Assange, my thoughts on him being kicked out of the Ecuadorian embassy, why that happened you know, the geopolitical maneuvering that could have led to that happening. But if you recall, he was arrested and the initial the initial uh, charge was to be extradited to Sweden on, you know, the, um, the old allegations but brought new of sexual harassment or rape. I think, think it was charged with rape. Um, which were dropped and now have reemerged. The U.S. has charged him and have requested extradition. We haven't heard anything else. This is a problem for me. And this is a problem that I warned about a couple of shows ago. He could be disappeared. I don't think he will necessarily, but I think it's a bit peculiar that we have just seen this story drop off of the radar. And I know that Notre Dame burned down, and I know 
a lot of focus went into that. And I know obviously the massacre in Sri Lanka has happened and that's detracted from it as well. I know recently the Trump state visit, which we'll talk about in a little while, has come up on the news as well. Today it's the Lyra McKee funeral, which is the MP that was shot that I mentioned earlier in the show. It's her funeral today and the Prime Minister and Jeremy Corbyn are both in attendance. So I understand, but I haven't had an update on it and I don't see anything on Twitter and I don't think see anything on social media, nothing in the mainstream media. And I'm just wondering when we might get an update. It's peculiar to me, and I don't like when when important stories and important subject matter is just brushed under the table and forgotten about. You'll recall there was a mass shooting in America where a man from Texas, I believe, moved in effectively moved into a casino for a week and during that week started hoarding and bringing in artillery so he could carry out a shooting on a concert across the block from the hotel where he was staying. The story immediately kind of digged into him and his background and, you know, all seemed normal. Then his brother was a weirdo. Then his dad was a weirdo, you know, and things started to get a little dark. And then all of a sudden it was gone. The motive was never revealed. There was no follow-up to this story, and it was just gone. And things like this are are troublesome. What what is the what is the cause of these 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 massacres, these incidents? Are they really what they claim to be? Why do they disappear from the collective social conscience? And appear to be a, almost a figment of our imagination. Like, did that concert massacre really happen? Was it just a distraction piece? I'm not trying to claim conspiracy theorists over here. I'm just saying that, as we called for a couple of days ago, you know, it's like a week and a half ago, when the news was still fresh on Assange, but diminishing rapidly, I might add, all of a sudden it's gone. We haven't heard anything about it. If I'm wrong and if I'm missing something, please inform me. Please send me a link. Please correct me. But it seems to be that's enough of that story. Let's move on. I want to know where he's being detained. I want to know what kind of interrogation is going on. I want to know what kind of uh, charges have been laid other than, you know, him releasing documents showing crimes of a government. He didn't steal them. He published them. So is it aiding in that that's got him done? Or are we not allowed to expose crimes of our own government to the public so that they're aware of these things? I just want an update on what the fuck is going on because currently it's a lot of blank space, dead air, and no one seems to be following up. And I think just staying with British politics and, and, and the British landscape for a minute, it's worth talking. We mentioned this on the last podcast because it was fresh news. Uh, Nigel Farage has launched his Brexit party and 
you know, apparently people are like, oh, this is interesting. Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see what Ann Whittacombe. And if you needed any other reason to avoid this party like the fucking plague, here you go. You know, are you going to align with this woman? Are you going to align with her and the party's like, you know, manifesto as it were? I mean, it says it on the tinge. You need to look any farther. We know what kind of fucking mess this makes. And anybody still willing to go down that like a blind, uh, you know, like a blind man running down a hall full of knives. You know, it's just you're going to get cut, man. You're going to get stung. This is going to be you, do what you want. It's your choice. I'm just saying, look at the company you keep. Is this not what we preach? Is this not what we talk about all the time? You are, you know, the collective sum of your parts and the parts are that which you surround yourself with. And if you surround yourself with people who are religious zealots, liars, and just crusty old fucks that have no relation to you whatsoever they don't this is not a reflection of the british public nigel farage and ann whittacombe this is not this party is not representative of the community we're trying to be in this country ideally globally it's just ridiculous i knew where i stood on ann whittacombe after i saw a debate uh, in which she was on the opposite side of Christopher Hitchens and Stephen Fry. We do not align, Ann Whittacombe and I, in any way, shape, or form. And she holds a very archaic view of life, of the world. One which has nothing to do with me, my interests, or the way I live mine. So again, if you're thinking about aligning with this Brexit party, check the resumes. Just check the resumes. Go ahead and run down Nigel Farage's resume. Accomplished politician? Sure. Liar? Misleading propagandist? I'd say, yeah. Check his interview the day after Brexit and what he says about the money for the NHS. They made this seem like it was going to be running through a field of strawberries. <laughs> running through a field of strawberries? What the fuck was that? You know, um, <coughs> they made it seem like a cakewalk. They made it seem like this was going to be a snap of the fingers. It'd be done and we'd be better off. We wouldn't have all these financial penalties. It wouldn't be this much of a mess. There'd be no uh, potential conflict between the Irelands. Like, you align with this guy, we don't really have much in common. <laughs> you align with Ann Whittacombe, we got even less in common. But do your homework. Don't just blindly walk into something because it was how you felt a couple of years ago. Have a look at it. Does it align with you? Make a choice from there. But when I read that news, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't need another reason, but thanks, Anne. Thanks a lot. You just made it crystal clear. And I just, it's a bit 
of an insult. But yet some people are still going that way. Who knows? Anyways, um, right. <laughs> Let's go over to Donald Trump because there's, there's a lot of nuggets to, to dig into on this. Firstly, have you seen the Easter celebrations that Trump organized at the White House? Or that they organized for him at the. I mean, he didn't look like he didn't look like he wanted to be there at all. And at every opportunity, he was making to, he was making sure to tell those children that that wall was getting built. He used his opportunity to address the crowd who were there for an Easter egg hunt, like an Easter roll, like race, you know, whatever they do, story time and all that. He made it a political speech, like he was on a podium. I mean, this guy is such a narcissistic fuck. And you look at the comparison. I'm not saying that Obama's presidency was perfect or he was the perfect president. He wasn't. And there was a lot of bad points on Obama, for sure. Anybody that decides to ignore that is ignoring truth, right? His increased drone activities, you know, we've talked about it before. <clears throat> I'm not using this as a what-if argument. <clears throat> it's just... He uses every every opportunity to drive home lies. And the fact that it passes as acceptable is just disgraceful to me. But if you look at it in terms of Obama versus the Trumps and how they ran the Easter celebrations, you know, it's it's night and day. It's night and day. And it really doesn't like that doesn't mean much, right? This shit's all superficial anyways. It's for the cameras. But it's, it's, it speaks to a deeper level, I think, than emotional level within those people. Because it was easy for the Obamas to do that. Even if they were playing it up for the cameras, it was easy to do that. The Trumps were doing the same thing, let's not forget. They were playing it up for the cameras. But it was so robotic. And so tried and... Ugh, he was out there in a fucking suit with a pink tie on. Obama was out there in like a plaid shirt with his sleeves rolled up. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a different, it's a different day. It's a different day. And Donald Trump has forced us to re-examine politics as a whole, which if nothing else is a good thing because that system is broken. We know that across the world, politics is fucked. And truly having a light shined on it that shows it for the incompetent institutions that they are. So take that as a positive from the Trump presidency thus far. Because the things he's been able to do and the disruption he's been able to cause and the resistance that he's been able to put in place, the mm. things that he's been able to get away with that are right there in the public is astonishing to me. And I came out on this show when they announced that there was no collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government or the Russian attempts to fuck with the election and hack the election. I came out and said, okay, on that, we cannot, like we can't talk on that anymore because that's been decided now, right? The special counsel, special investigation came back and that's been, that's, that's, 
what they've drawn down. But again, we didn't have this report. And even with the redacted report, it's looking like there's a lot of collusion, there's a lot of obstruction, but whether or not it gets to the level of like criminal conspiracy is questionable. That said, it's not good for Trump, but yet he's allowed to seemingly go unchallenged talking about how this completely exonerates him. But now that the reports come out, he's starting to fight back in terms of what the report actually says. Now, I cannot sit here and claim to have read that report, but I am working on it. When I have, I will let you know. But I'm taking this information from sources like Reuters and, um, you know, more, not Fox, not CNN, not, you know, I'm, I'm looking a bit deeper than that. But I'm only taking the nuggets that are published in the articles by the journalists I'm reading. So I haven't read the report myself. I will read the report myself and will give a, you know, a more detailed look at my thoughts on that. Uh, when I when I've done that, but it's not looking good by the things that are actually in the report. It's also not looking good for William Barr, who seems to have blatantly misrepresented the findings in this report based on his own political leaning. And in my opinion, that disqualifies him for the job because he's shown political bias, and you can't do that as an attorney's general even though they all do. <laughs> um, so the Democrats are now calling for impeachment on Trump, and there's more and more of them coming out now vocally saying it. Uh, I know they're subpoenaing his tax returns. He failed to report them again, uh, which is, you know, I mean, obviously. He's also filed an injunction to block the IRS from releasing them to the Democrats, which, again... You know, there's no smoke without fire. So, I guess we can just wait and see. I'm done making predictions on this. I'm done making pr predictions on how this is going to go because we just don't know the type of the, the type of justice that we're looking at, the type of system that we're working with. We just don't know what's going to come out of all of this. So it's best to just absorb it, wait and see. And if there's anything juicy that drops out in, you know, during, throughout that process, then, okay, cool, let's pick it up and talk about it. One thing that's really fucked me off, and I'm swinging all the way across the pond again, coming back here, but keeping with the Trump situation, is uh, his UK state visit that's being planned for the 3rd of June. And the Queen apparently has invited him. So this is really problematic to me. This is a head of state, figuratively, our head of state, inviting a wildly unpopular world leader to have a state visit after already having evidence of the reaction of the British public. Do we not recall last year when the big baby Trump blimp was floating around the streets of London in protest? with thousands of other people 
we don't want him here. And we absolutely do not want any of our tax money paying for this cunt to come over here and strut his stuff like he fucking owns something. I am personally against this 100,000%. 100,000%. I don't want to see this prick here getting royal treatment. And I'm offended that the queen has the power to make this decision. Or even extend this invitation. Not that she's got the power to, but that she's fucking, that she's done it. You couldn't get a more removed person from what I feel than the queen of this country. And the family members that surround her. We are not aligned. I'm not aligned with Prince Harry and his feelings about addiction and video games. I'm not, like, I don't give a shit that he married Meghan Markle. Like, that means nothing to me. I have no affinity towards their children. I don't give a fuck. It's cool as a figurehead thing, but we shouldn't be paying for these motherfuckers at all. They want to sustain themselves, do it. Set up your own, your fucking PR company. And I know you do charity work and that's great. And I know you do these, you know, pilgrimages and stuff like that. And that's great. But this is, to me, this is unacceptable. It would be different. This is completely different if the, the feelings for the current administration, the current U.S. administration was different in this country. That would be one thing. It would be another thing if we weren't going through one of the most uh, precarious times in our in our country's history since World War II with this Brexit stuff. We do not know where we're going to be on the other end of this. You know, they're expecting to get a deal done before Halloween. Will they fuck? And if they do, what does it look like? And what does that mean for us? And what will our say be? And are they even entertaining a second vote still? As I said before, this has cost us millions to go through this ridiculous process in the first place that never should have come about, by the way. But we are now running ourselves full steam into a recession. We are now putting ourselves at a level of uncertain we haven't, uncertainty we haven't seen in decades. And they're thinking about splashing out to bring over the most unpopular U.S. president of all time? A man that's openly criticized our, our process? That's openly criticized the fact that we didn't listen to him or Brexit would have been done? We're going to host this arrogant fuck to come over here and, and stunt? Give him all this pomp and ceremony? I don't think so. This is horseshit, and I hope... Thousands, I hope hundreds of thousands go out there and let it be known that he is not welcome here. He is not welcome here. We do not think like this. Some people think like that here, but we are not that. You cannot come to London with the ideals that he throws around. This is one of the most multicultural places in the world. We don't buy his segregation bullshit. We don't subscribe to keeping people out. We are inclusive. And we try to maintain that and push that forward. And fuck him. And fuck their policies. And fuck 
their influence and power. They have degraded themselves from a moral compass perspective and foreign policy perspective. Internally, they are at odds like never before. People try to put lipstick on this. It's, it's horseshit. Look straight through it. So the fact that we're putting this outlay on, the fact that we've got this political chaos that's happening, this seems to have taken a little break over Easter. But I can't wait for it to ramp back up. You know, we got a day of respite because this poor MP has been killed. But watch it ramp back up. They've given us this delay now, so maybe the news cycle won't cover it as heavily because there's not going to be day-to-day updates because we're not on a fresh deadline every two weeks. So it's going to fade into the background a little bit. We can focus our time on other tragedies like Sri Lanka, you know, and, uh, and, and different things like that. How many billionaires are donating to Notre Dame? But the truth of the matter is we do not need to be... We're spending our money on this guy coming over here. This is not their money. They don't have any money. They get everything from us. Express your displeasure with this. You've got a month. Just a little over a month to do this. But it really, really fucked me off. It's really pissed me off that this is that this is occurring. He's bad for everybody. The sooner this guy disappears into an oblivion, the better. And I'm not calling for any of that before anybody jumps on it. I'm not calling for any of that. I just don't want him to be America's president anymore. But it's more and more, even with his disapproval rating at 39% as per Politico, there is a very good chance that he could get reelected. Four more years of Donald Trump. Can you imagine? Are we not exhausted enough? This is the record you want to turn off, snap in half, throw in the bin, and just never think about again. This glitch in the matrix has got to stop. Anybody that's pushing this as a positive experience is out of their mind. Absolutely bananas. And I leaned on a positive, right? That hopefully it's shining a light on the system being broken. The truth of the matter is, with everything else that goes on in life, I don't think it's going to make one hell of a difference. Ukraine just elected a fucking comedian. A fucking comedian, guys. They elected a comedian who had a TV show. And the TV show was about a comedian that accidentally becomes president. That is life imitating art. We're living in the upside down. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. We need, I called for this on a couple of shows ago. We need a fresh face to politics in this country. We need to shake stuff up. We need to let these old bastards know who is coming up behind them. Who is ready to take the mantle? 
We need a fresh face and I don't know who they are. Please tell me. But I'm disgusted that we're bringing this this asshole and giving him a royal rollout. Because we pay for it. We pay for it. And they act like we should be grateful it's happening. There is no upside to this other than him potentially being reelected and giving us a favorable trade deal once Brexit's all over. And you can bet your ass that that's what this is about. But you can't trust this guy. You cannot trust this guy. Because he will renege, he will lie, he will back out, and he will only do ultimately what's best for him. They are not a partner like they were eight years ago. And we can't rely on them being a partner like they used to be, like they've always been, with this guy in charge. Because you don't know what he's going to bring to the table and you don't know what he's going to do today and you don't know what he's going to do tomorrow. Because in my opinion, he's got some real mental issues happening. And ultimately the leverage to make you bend to America's will. And then you're at his, basically at his mercy. And there's nobody in the political structure in this country right now that has any balls to fight back against him. And to be honest with you, with Brexit happening in the state that it is, and with our politics in the way that they are, there's no leverage to do that. He's got all the power. So then you say, oh, well, doesn't it, isn't it very obvious why they're rolling out a state visit for him? And I say, yeah, of course it's obvious. That doesn't mean I have to like it. That doesn't mean that it's, it's ultimately going to transact into a positive result for us. Like we're going to see this recession avoided that's coming up on us. That we're going to continue to see the chaos of Brexit coming upon us, already disrupting us. I understand why they'll be doing it, but I'm definitely not in favor of doing it. Because I only think it's going to make things worse. Which seems to be the scent that Trump leaves with him whenever he leaves a room. It just, to extend any form of entertainment and friendship and ceremony to a person that, in my opinion, has one of the most broken moral compasses ever is, is horrible. I mean, he's already hitting out against these impeachment things. He's like, I'll go straight to the Supreme Court. Fuck you guys. Um, the Mueller report, we won. Like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. There's 10 different examples in that Mueller report from the things that I've read that would put obstruction of justice into the into the investigation itself on the table. Like I said, we can't talk about collusion anymore, right? The report doesn't do that. It doesn't say that. But it doesn't exonerate him from trying to obstruct justice. And that is an impeachable offense. But he's already saying, ah, oh, fucking go to the Supreme Court. I'll have you in, I'll have you in court for years, you know? Um, the guy's just, he's, a, he's just a horrible piece of shit. And for us to align ourselves with him in such a, 
in such a dramatic fashion is is horrible, especially considering what his first visit was like, which nobody fucking wanted. Um, but never mind all that. I wanted to end the show by talking about these climate change activists. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody when they first kicked off, first couple of days that they kicked off, and I said the problem with this is that they really don't have a spearhead. They don't have a they don't. The problem with a lot of these protests is they're not organized. Because just just dedicating, just identifying like a dedicated location to meet up. That's like step one. Making up some chants and stuff, that's kind of step two. Step three is actually to put something in place that is a, you know, like a manifesto. Like, why are you here? What are you trying to do? And what do you want accomplished by your actions? That has to be drilled home at all times, from all angles and all directions of these protests. That's alignment. Then there has to be some sort of a some sort of a strategy that is political. If you're trying to, for instance, protest against climate change, then there should be a manifesto that when presented the opportunity, at every opportunity, you scream about the policies specifically that you want changed. Those come through a collective voice, but also through a spearhead, a leader of that movement, let's say. Someone who is a figurehead of that movement, someone who can have that political discussion, put those uh, political demands to the powers that be, to enact and address the changes in real life, not just by gathering for a picnic on a bridge and singing some songs, banging some drums, littering and smoking weed. That's not, that's not the point. The point is to make change. And when I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago, I didn't think that they had a spearhead. But it seems like they kind of do. Because they decided to call it off. They decided to relocate. And I haven't heard a lot today because BBC is just covering this MP's funeral. Um, which, okay, fair enough, I get it. But, again, it's all kind of dissipated a little bit. But the reason I bring this up is because there's a little girl out there. And I don't know how old she is um she's like 12 or something like that and she is i believe she's dutch um greta Th or german greta thunberg her name is and she oh she's 16 sorry sorry she's 16 she looks very young um she's got asperger's um and if there was ever a figurehead for the climate change protests, the re rebellion extinction, extinction rebellion protests, climate change as a whole, would it not be a 16-year-old girl with Asperger's who is very articulate, very soft-spoken, and very direct? Is that not a... Is that not to say, like, let's lumber this whole entire problem on her shoulders because I'm not saying that at all what i'm saying is what a mouthpiece that seems to be all in she calls herself a political activist she's very straightforward with her with her communication and i think let's get behind this little champion and let's see what she can do 
with this movement. But sitting around having a picnic is not the way forward. Unless that picnic is also accompanied by the other elements that I mentioned. The protest has to have a point. Like Occupy Wall Street. It was like they're protesting the 1%. But a ton of the people in the protests are technically part of the 1%. And I know what they meant by the 1%, but it wasn't articulated right. There was no spearhead with that movement. It was just a bunch of people occupying a fucking bunch of places and holding up some signs. The Women's March. It was fantastic that millions of women hit the street. But have a point. And I know they outline an idea. But have a point. Have a process. If you want to enact change, you can. Strength does come in numbers. But it has to be done in a systematic way that leads to an end. The protest is a means to an end. It's not the end. Showing up on the day is not the end. That's the means to the end. That's the beginning. That's the jump off point. Getting political commitment and pol causing political change is the point. But a lot of these protests don't go that way. And I think there's a little bit of that with the, with the um, Extinction Rebellion and the climate change protest. But I think this girl delivers a message that says it really plain, really clear. And she's the type of figure that really, really drills home the problem because she's the one that's going to suffer truly suffer with the effects of climate change in, you know, 40 years when she's 50, 55, you know? It's got to be that generation now that takes this, takes up this, the reins of this and, and drives it forward. Because they can affect, they can affect the change, they can organize, they can develop numbers, they can, you know, they can develop crowds and they can, Mobilize. As long as they have a point and an end goal that they're striving to get to. We want a conversation with the government. We're not moving off this bridge until somebody gives us an audience with an exact date and time. This is what we want to discuss. These are the agenda points. Once we have that meeting, we're going to come back out. We're going to relate to the public what's happened in those meetings, and we're going to decide whether the protest continues or not. And if it continues, this is what's going to happen. Until these demands are met, you have to hold people accountable, especially people you pay to put there. And a lot of people say, well, this is very, very disruptive. It's supposed to be. It's a fucking protest. It's not supposed to be uh, quarantined to a part of Marble Arch in London. It's supposed to block bridges. These emergency, these like emergency services and things like that, the police were saying, oh, this is affecting our ability to tackle knife crime. Fuck out of here. There's no way climate protesters are going to stop an ambulance with its lights flashing and its siren on or a police car in the same fashion or a fire end, a fire truck in the same way. No, they're going to stop the general flow of traffic for sure. But they're not malicious people, I don't think, for the most part. It seems like they care about the environment. It seems like they want less people driving vehicles in concentrated areas that are that's attributing to a rise in carbon emissions. It doesn't seem like they're out to stop the police from 
tackling knife crime, which conveniently is being blamed on a protest. However, you know, however, it could be, uh, you know, the reduction of police, um, the lack of funding, uh, you know, any number of reasons other than a bunch of hippies blocking a bridge for a fucking week. Get out of here with that. So I say disrupt. Peaceful resistance is the way. As long as there is a manifesto and a process in place to achieve results. And you can do that. It has been done in the past. You don't have to get violent. You don't have to get messy. You don't have to get nasty. Sometimes it's hard to maintain a civil discourse, but not with something like this. Not with something like this. So disrupt. Don't stay within the boundaries defined for you by the people you're protesting against. Break out of those barriers. Be disruptive and continue doing what you're doing. But let's listen to this little 16-year-old for a minute. Let's listen to what David Attenborough has been telling us for decades. Let's pay attention a little bit. And I understand that people turn around and say, how can billionaires give all of this money to rebuilding Notre Dame and you know nobody takes care of the poverty or nobody takes care of the homeless or anything like that? I understand that argument. I really do. But unfortunately, that's not how capitalism works. You can't tell people how to spend or donate their money. You can hope, wish, and try to convince them, but you cannot make them. And so these actors that are coming out on Twitter saying, oh, you know, Africa's got starving children, and how come, you know, the Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy CEO isn't donating? How come Selma Hayek's husband isn't donating to, to these causes? It's like, well... Why do you care what that person does with their money? How come you're not going after the 20 billionaires that live in Africa to take care of the starving African children? A national cathedral burned down and the richest men in that country are giving a lot of money to rebuild it. Wouldn't that just be called patriotic rather than ignorant? Right? Like Jeff Bezos hasn't, like I know Tim Cook and Apple are going to be donating to to the um to the rebuilding efforts but like bezos hasn't done shit i don't think but the point of that argument that gets missed in the blaming of specific problems is the overarching issue of what hoarded wealth of that size can be used for rather than someone's personal pleasure now, I'm not saying to get away with capital, capitalism. I'm not saying to have a process of wealth redistribution in a socialist uh, kind of framework. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is just, the, just exactly the point I'm making is that when you have such concentrated wealth with so few, you cannot affect change the way you would be able to if those people would throw money at the real problems that exist in our world. Because if we look at the grand scheme of things, rebuilding a church is probably not priority number one. So could the CEO of uh, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy Group 
have donated that money to another cause that may have had a, a more widespread effect? Absolutely. If I was in his position or that of a Jeff Bezos with what is effectively unlimited wealth, would I solve or at least try to solve by throwing money at some of the social ills that are currently plaguing us? Absolutely. Like me personally, I'm a huge animal lover. And if I had Jeff Bezos money, there wouldn't be a homeless dog anywhere. That fucking Chinese dog eating festival would be done. I'm telling you, he's got that kind of influence. He's got that kind of power. So I would affect change in my own way. You know, like LeBron James, for instance, or Oprah, who set up schools to educate children. Like they do these things, right? But with a sweeping blow of, say, a billion dollar investment, you could effectively clean up the plastic island that's in the Pacific Ocean at the moment. And I'm not saying he should be forced to do it. I'm not criticizing him for not. Do, I, I guess I'm criticizing him a little bit or, you know, all of the billionaires in the world because not everybody is like Bill Gates. Who is as philanthropic as they come. But I am calling out all of the mega wealthy to say the way you utilize your resources does not seem to be for the betterment of the ones that allowed you or contributed to you acquiring that wealth, right? <clears throat> because it's the whole thing of you get fuck you money, you're allowed to say fuck you. But there's also a responsibility on the uber successful or the uber rich, in my opinion, to give back, to hand out power now. It is to redistribute not wealth, but power, self-sufficiency. It is most certainly that of a responsibility of those that have either made it or been privileged enough to receive multi-generational wealth to use that power that they've been given by having financial freedom and handing it back to those that do not. I would do everything in my power to make sure another dog never suffered again if I was that rich. Because I'm a huge animal lover, I'm a huge dog fan, and nothing breaks my heart more than seeing mistreated animals. Would I, would I have other causes that I would go after? A hundred percent. But I'm just giving you one off the top of my head because I'm a fucking animal lover. But I think there's a problem when wealth is concentrated into such a tight group of individuals and there isn't more of a concerted effort to attack these things publicly like climate change, like the plastic being dumped in the ocean, like homelessness and poverty and obesity, human trafficking, child pornography, you know, all the really fucking horrible things that I think you could make a real dent in if you put real money behind them. So in terms of how this part of the show started it was in regards to the um extinction rebellion uh protests that have been happening and really just giving a shout out to this a shout out to this little girl um the 16 year old who's been speaking the truth on on how we how we are poisoning this planet 
and how it's contributing to a to an to a to a a rapid decline in our natural resources in our ability to be protected from things like the sun's rays for instance i remember when i was a kid it was all about the hole in the ozone hole in the ozone but that just went away another thing just disappeared so i think when we have a when we have a figure that people can get behind both from a policy perspective, from an ideas perspective, but also from an emotional perspective, which you can with this little girl, because you see the future in her. And if we don't do something about it, it's her. She's asking for help effectively. I think that's something that we can get behind. But it's people like her that are going to make the difference. It's people like her that need our support. And I want to see people like her rise up in this country to make a difference in the political system as well. And if we could do that, we will be one step closer to making things better than they currently are. So I think on that note, we're gonna, we're gonna say goodbye. I think that's it. Um, we will be back again, potentially this week, um, thinking it's, it's Wednesday night now, so potentially uh, Friday afternoon or evening. Uh, I just got to check, see what's going on. But yeah, I would like to get two out this week. But I want to thank you guys for listening. And go check out the podcast on Spotify. Go check it out on iTunes, as always, um, and SoundCloud. So you can subscribe across all three of those platforms. You can get it pretty much anywhere uh, that you listen to podcasts. So download, subscribe, give some feedback, rate us. All that stuff helps us be found, uh, which means more ears, uh, which means we keep on doing this. But we keep on doing it anyways, right? And more of you guys are coming, so it's great. It's great. We just keep this train rolling. But I want to thank you guys again. Uh, this has been episode 84, Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl. As always, thanks for listening once again. And until next time, guys, all the best.